Okay, James chapter 5. James chapter 5. In the last part of the book of James, we find that he focuses in primarily on prayer, and that's what we're going to be obviously focusing on. And and all throughout the book of James is just these basic, not basic, but fundamental characteristics of how really to live the, the Christian life, what our behavior should be, how to handle um, struggles and different things as it talks about in, in the first part of James. And, and then, you know, uh, and, and then watching our tongues and, and the words that we use and, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and then being able to watch or to watch out for, um, the flesh and unruly behavior and different things that uh, James here, um, uh, James the Apostle, he was one of the leaders uh, in Jerusalem and the things that he was seeing and that he was, uh, and he wanted to uh, encourage the people um, in their in their walk with the Lord, their newfound Savior. These were obviously all new believers, new Jewish believers, nevertheless, uh, um, primarily, I believe, uh, being in being in Jerusalem, and then the persecution that these that these Jews went under, having been spread out through, through all the uh, the the Jewish the Jewish people that did not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and 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 uh, there are still Jews today that are very very hostile uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ I can uh, remember hearing uh, Matt Rucker he's a he, I don't know if he still is or not forgive me but he was a missionary uh, right in downtown New York City right down there and uh, um uh, where you know, obviously, great wickedness uh, was it was in, he's in the thick of it, and he he tells the story of a uh, of uh, passing out tracts to uh, these particular sect of Jews. Forgive me, I can't think of the name offhand, but anyway, just a really devote the really devoted Jews that you know they wear their yarmulkes and they have their little dreads and their and their black jackets and what have you, and they're really devout Jews. Um, and uh, he was sharing the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, they got really hostile towards him. And the and the Jewish man said, "If Jesus Christ were alive today, we'd throw him right back on that cross." And so there's that rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ from his his very own people. And he came into his own, and his own received him not. And we uh, obviously uh, uh, clearly see this. But in James here. Uh, as he's just finished up uh, um, in uh, encouraging I mean, that the value of uh, of uh, uh, being 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 patient, and then the encouragement of we count as uh, in verse eleven, behold, we count them happy which endure and have heard the patience of Job and have seen the, seen the end of seen the seen the end of the Lord that the Lord is very pitiful and, and tender of mercy as we as one just rests in the Lord and has patience in his working uh, in his life 
For sake of time, I'm not going to go through and do an introductory reading of the scripture. We're just going to jump right in. This first verse in verse 12, I think kind of this really overshadows the rest of it, even though it kind of goes with it does go with the the previous thing about the the uh, the uh, the oppression that they've been going through. But it says above all things, above all else. Most important, my brethren, that term of endearment, my brethren. You know, pay, I know I care about you guys. Uh, I remember telling the teens, teens this from time to time gone by. I'm telling you this because I care about you. And I think the college kids hear that maybe, maybe from time, I don't know. But anyway, uh, but this is caring. It's, you know, you're, you're sharing truths from God's word or what have you. And so here the James is saying here, um, above all things, my brother, and pay attention, I, I, I care about you. Swear not, neither by heaven nor by earth, neither by oath, by, excuse me, but by any other oath, but let your nay be, excuse me, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into Condemnation. I'm just going to touch on this and we're going to move on because I kind of believe this overshadows this. Is where your, what you say and how you, your word should be your word. This swearing here is not saying a bad word. Although having a foul mouth as a believer is sinful. You should not be doing that. You should not be listening to that. Obviously, in this world, it's kind of hard to avoid it sometimes in the workplace or what have you. But we should not be purposefully putting ourselves in front of it, whether it be through media or on the Internet or or hanging out with people. We should just not allow ourselves to be around that. But anyway, this isn't about that swearing. This is about your oath, your word. Your word. And that your word is your word. Let your nay be nay and your yea be yea be yea. And then you shouldn't have to say, swear not. Well, I swear. It's like putting an addition to it. I remember doing this as a kid all the time. And, I, and this came to mind. And I never really thought much of it until I really started pondering this and meditating on this. Is that sometimes we, you know, we say, yes, this is what I did. Oh, I swear I did. Well, if you really did it, how come you're trying to put more emphasis on it? Why isn't your just yay be yay and your nay be nay? Is there something going on in the back of your mind that you weren't quite telling the truth, that you were being deceptive or whatever it may be? Or when a, when a, when a parent talks to their child and the, and the child has to qualify his answers with several things to, to continue to cover up his lie. You know, the Apostle James here is encouraging the brothers, let your nay be nay and your yea be yes, lest ye fall into condemnation, lest ye fall into sin, lest you, you get hindered in your things. And these believers were going through, these believers were going through a very difficult time. And and whether it be physically, um, uh, spiritually, or uh, financially, and to be have that cons- being con- consistently honest and truthful in all matters, I'm sure was in some scenarios very taxing. <clears throat> 
when providing for one's family or what have you. And so, anyway, um, so let's just keep that in the background. And the key, I believe one of the key verses here in this whole thing of prayer here is the last part of verse 16, Let the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And we have heard this verse, we have memorized this verse, and that is, that is a promise that we need to cling on to uh, uh, in, in our prayers. And so... Um, and so the meaning of this here is the meaning is that through the through God's righteousness, there is strength that there would that that God's power would be demonstrated. And let me we'll get into this, Lord willing, just a little bit bit more in the breaking down of those words. Uh, um, um, effectual, fervent, and in the Greek, that's one word. And then uh, the word availeth. And so, uh, and with what the meaning of that is tied up within those words. And so, we see this, this, uh, this, these admonitions of prayer that James gives. And so, whatever state that we are in, may our prayers, that our prayers need to be of God's power and his strength, not ours. Our own words don't do anything. Your words don't do anything. It's God working in and through them. That's the power. That's the strength. That's is God. You were just being again being or uh, being vessels for His use. And so, you know, uh, this week, did you suffer? Were you cheerful? Were you? Or were you struggling with sin this week or this past month? What did you do? What was your response? Um, did you internalize it? Or, or uh, did you just kind of expect it? You just do what you always do. You know, if something cheerful or good happened, you were cheerful. You just thought, well, maybe I was entitled to it or, or whatever. And it's just God's whatever. And I'm just not really just having that, uh, the this, this spirit of, of cheerfulness in this. And, and or maybe I am cheerful, but not as it says. We'll get into it, uh, praising him as we, as we are. Or do when we suffer, do we actually begin to pray? And usually this is the, the first one here that James deal with is usually not the problem. It's usually the second one. But, and so we never know what life brings. Life, you know, it brings all kinds of struggles. When I was leaving home for prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago, I had a grasshopper on my windshield. Those grasshoppers are everywhere. It's like the summer of the grasshoppers, like it was a summer of the squirrels a while back ago. But anyway, I mean, it's these tiny little plagues. I don't know. But anyway, um, this grasshopper, I was about ready to you know, hit my windshield wiper. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to leave that thing on her, see how strong he is. And no joke, he made it all the way down just past the rest area in Rumney. And uh, he, you know, he hang on it. He hung on, well, I'm not going to tell you how fast, but anyway, he, hang, he hung on more than I thought he would. And so many times we might be feeling like that grasshopper. 
in our lives and the wind is coming and it's just one wave after the next, after the next, after the next in our lives. But we have a Savior that loves us and he cares for us as we're, as we're going through. And when you pass us through the waters, he will be with thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, you know, you shall, you shall not be burned. And so, um, so the first thing really in this prayer is to be honest with yourself. To be honest with yourself. Oh, I got, not this, I got this thing, but be really honest with yourself before you and God, because that's the only way God's ever going to work if we start to begin to begin honest in our prayers. Uh, chapter, or excuse me, verse, verse 13, is any one of you afflicted? Meaning, is anybody of you um, uh, going through suffering because of evil or, or, or because of health conditions. It kind of goes uh, both ways with, with the Greek, but it might be in the context here, it probably leans toward mo- those who are in affliction because of others impl- impl- uh, doing evil upon them. But we can take that same we can take that same Greek word and it's meaning the afflictions of because even health conditions or just or just the manner of life because the affliction there is hurt and suffering and hardship. God never said that life was that the Christian life was going to be a bed of roses. He never promised that. In fact, he promises hardship. Does he not? Because if he did, if he promised a good life, boy, the disciples missed out. Because they all died, they all died a martyr's death. They were all beaten, scourged, outcast. They didn't have the wealth of the world that day. They went from believer's house to believer's house and and looking for particular needs and literally working with their hands as tent makers and making ends meet. They didn't have four hundred one ks and retirement homes and and all the things that we have in this seventeenth nineteenth century. And so there is hurt, there is suffering, and there is hardship. And so what do we do? Is any among you afflicted? And check out this, this uh, word here, um, among you. Is any among us? Are we watching out for one another? Are we keeping an eye on in our homes, in our, in our church, in our families? Is any among you, do you know who those are, what their afflictions and the hardships that they're going through? Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. The, word, the, 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 the let him there is an interesting thing in the Greek the Greek, the Greek tense here is the idea of a, is a command that is continuing in action. It never stops. It's not like someone's hindering from praying. It's basically a command. You need to start praying and start praying yesterday. You need to be continuing in prayer in your afflictions, no matter how high or how great. Why? Because you need God's strength and God's wisdom and God's direction. Don't be so confident, believer, that when you are going through a, a trial or a test or whatever it may be, because, you know, you, you got it all together that you don't need to pray about it. Oh, you're about ready to fall. You're about ready to fall. And we've all been there. I've been there. 
And so is any among you afflicted? Let him let him pray. The question needs one question needs to be asked, who are you sharing your troubles to? Posting po, po, uh, posting him on Facebook? Putting a, writing something on the internet and sharing, you know, your miseries and how your workday was or, you know, you're ready to go to your happy place or whatever it may be or you want to call somebody or call, call a friend and jibber-jabber to somebody else about how bad your day was. You should get on our knees and pray. And as for God's strength and wisdom, is there anything too small or too great in our affliction? There shouldn't be, because we need to have that dependence upon him, to be honest with ourselves and that he is everything and that we are nothing. For our God knows, he, he understands, he, he understands. Um, in Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27, 26 says, We know not what to pray for sometimes because we're so distraught and whatever, but he, he intercedes for us. And then in verse 27, it is God that searches the heart. So he knows. He knows what's going on. And then, in, and then over in uh, Isaiah Isaiah chapter four, uh, 41 and verse 41 and verse 10 it says fear thou not for I am with thee with thee be not dismayed for I am thy God and I will strengthen thee yea I will help thee and I will uphold thee with thy right hand of my righteousness where does that come in and how does that fit it is when you get on your knees and pray for help and strength and wisdom no matter how no matter what the need may be because we need God's strength and God's wisdom to following God's word, God's will in the big things and the small things. Because if we're not following him in the big or small things, we are going to be off course and missing the big. Because it always starts small. It's not usually big. It starts small. And so we see here, and not only that, we have the contrasting thing, kind of like a a two-faced thing, a, a black and a white, if you will. Um, uh, back in James, is any of you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any, is, is any of you merry on the other side? What are we to do when we're to marry? Are we to gloat in ourselves and, and pat ourselves on the back or whatever it may be? No, to sing psalms. To sing It says here, "Let him sing." The same Greek, con- the Greek word, the Greek same Greek context, and the and the and the and the uh, and the verbiage there that we're supposed to have a continual attitude of praise in our heart and thanksgiving to our Savior. That cheerfulness there, that cheerful and the, the uh, being merry has the idea of being. Uh, cheerful, having the peace of mind, a good attitude, and a, and a derivative of of um, that uh, Mary is actually the word courage. Go back to uh, uh, Joshua. Be of you know uh, where Josh God is commanding, uh, uh, giving Joshua instructions, and you know be of uh, be not dismayed, but be of good courage. Is as as 
as Joshua prepares for hand-to-hand, or excuse me, hand-to-hand combat battle and putting his life on the line each, almost each and every day, uh, leading, the, leading the Israelites into the land of Canaan. And, and God gave him awesome, incredible promises, but he, gave him that, but he gave him that comfort. And so is anybody Mary? Does anybody have that courage in, in, in going forth and having that peace? We are to give praise to him. So many times, I'm guilty, where we just forget to praise God. God says, you, I'm over here. You, I'm the one who did this. You, oh, you're not seeing it? Well, let me just do this and take the... And do one of those sheet things, you know, like the, those fancy uh, wet waiters, you know, that they can yank the sheet with all the glasses and things, you know. And they pull the sheet right underneath. And you're all of a sudden you don't have a drop cloth. And you're like wondering what in the world's going on. And all of a sudden, you know, oh, I should have been praising the Lord. And so not only are these, not only should we, as any among you afflicted, let him pray, as any, as any Mary, let him sing psalms. Most importantly, I believe that these are, um, wow, uh, inter- interchangeable. Where we are to, where we are to, um, when we are afflicted, we are to give praise. And then when we are and then when we are merry, we are to pray as well. Because that that Greek context in there with the let him is a continuing action. So our word should be in constantly in prayer and in constantly in praise, no matter what situation may we may be in. That's what James is driving for in that we in that our prayer should be in our communion with God, because in our in our singing to God, we are literally praying to God. We are communing with Him in our prayers. It's just with, you know, wonderful notes of music, right? And, uh, and so we are communing with him, with us in our prayers. And then it goes on to say, as any is uh, sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. This is one of the kind of one of the most mistreated verses in scripture today among new evangelicals where someone can come to somebody and lay their hands on them and do this hocus pocus and immediately they're healed or pour this oil upon them and they do this in the catholic church or whatever or or some neo-evangelicals or what have you i've seen it on tv and they pour this oil and all of a sudden they're healed no that's not what this is saying this, this was a, that particular time is done away with. That was the a time for the apostles where the apostles were, where, uh, where uh, Peter and John and all those apostles, when they're founding the early church, they would literally put their hands on people and, and pray, and they would be instantly healed. But that, that time has gone away. Now, can God instantly heal? Can God do a Absolutely, he can. 
But it's not our words that do it. It's not our backing up. It's not like we can just go up to somebody. But it's strictly, it's strictly, we're in a different time frame here, but yet this, this, this verse does apply. And the sense of here, is anyone sick among you? This word sick in the Greek is this weak and feebleness, and, or either physically or, or in an emotional sense. For those who are going through weaknesses, one in need, is one in need having their thoughts led and dedicated intercessory prayer, where that person is so distraught, they're so weak physically, whatever it may be. Steve and Sarah, Lord, I believe Steve said he's going to, they're going to be seeing Terry uh, today. Lord, maybe try to, sorry, <laughs> try to see. But if they do, you know, uh, Terry, she's, she's, you know, in a fragile, somewhat of a fragile state. And then she's in pain. Uh, Betty was, in, and when you go, when you're in a, in a situation like that and the, and the physical pain is over, it is good, to, you know, you call on for someone to enter to pray with you. You can, or you're going through, you had something happen right away or, or a, a tragedy or whatever it may be or something and all, and you, you're just distraught and you just want to pray. But you don't know how and what would you do? Is anyone you sick or, or uh, uh, weak, feeble-mindedness? In that kind of a sense, let them pray over him. Let him pray over him. That, is, that you need to call the elders, though. And uh, let me put a shout out to this. But anyway, here it says here, call for the elders, plural, to the church, singular. Just saying. Anyway, <laughs> just saying. I know there's people that differ on this whole elder, whole elder church thing in, in, in the context. But anyway, so here we have plural eldership coming from a single church. But anyway, uh, for the elders of, of the church, and let them pray over him. Those who are spiritually set aside that have the spiritual oversight of the church, they are to come and pray over them. Not that their prayers that they're, that they're just immediately going to be healed. You know, you got to come over here. I have to make some pains. You know, deliver. You're going to pray for me, and I'll be delivered from them. No, this is not. This is not. Um, uh, what was his name? Um, uh, Benny Hinn, I believe it was. that did that or whatever. Nor these these uh, these false prophets that are on TV. These heretics that have all these prayers of these people on these letters, and they lay hands on them. And they do this fancy dancy prayer, and they're jumping up around, and you know, and you know, and speaking and shouting, and some kind of gibberish, and it's just totally wickedness, and and wolves in sheep's clothing, as far as I'm concerned. And so, anyway, no, it's not about that. But you call upon the church and let them pray over him, anointing him head and oil in the name of the Lord. No, not that we use that oil. The, the apostles did that then. But what, what, this would symbol, what this would symbolize is, is God's, the, the working of the Holy Spirit, giving that aid and comfort. The, 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 the oil is used in a sense for a medicinal purposes back in the early New Testament times where it would give a calm and a peace or whatever it may be. Um, uh, Johnson and Johnson baby oil, right? 
You know, you put that over the babies, you know, help, the, you know, soothe them or whatever it may be. I know if someone's going through some kind of therapy, you go to some kind of massage therapist, you know, they don't get out the, uh, they don't get out the uh, sandpaper and beach here or whatever. No, sometimes you use a little oil and, and it just relieves the stress in the muscles. And so there's a little medicinal purposes uh, in that. But anyway, the idea here is that comfort. And not that this is literally, I'm not saying that this is literally the Holy Spirit coming down, no. But it's just that, it's just to a, a remembrance of that in this here. And not that we need to be dumping, our, dumping oil on people or what have you um, in the name of the Lord. And so, um, so as in all prayer, it must be done by faith alone in God, and God will be glorified because his way will be done. And it says in verse 15, as the prayers of the faith shall save the sick, the Lord shall raise them up, and if he have committed sins, shall be forgiven unto him. Boy, you could take a bad turn on this verse, too. It says the prayers of the faith shall save the sick. Well, you pray, or it's going to save the sick. It's going to make him well. It's going to make him better. You know why don't these uh, why don't these event, why don't these people that can lay their hands on people and and heal them why aren't they down at Walter Reed and these and these in these hospitals where kids are going through cancer and heal those people if they have the gift of healing? They don't. This is what not this verse is saying. It says the prayers of the faith shall save the sick. It says it's allowing here. It's it's, ba- it's basically saying here that as we as we have our faith and prayer and faith and allowing that God's going to do what He's going to do. It is putting our faith and trust in God that He is going to perform His particular will. As we have prayed for Betty for months and months, as we have prayed for Be- or for Terry for a long period of time in her health, or as we've been praying for Dave in his mer- we're giving that situation over to the Lord. By faith in that, our faith in God shall save the sick. You know, well, well, what do you mean by save the sick then? Save the sick in the sense of that God would just continue to give peace and direction uh, for that believer in the things that they, in the, in the trial or in the physical or, or emotional, whatever trial that they may be going through. And the Lord shall raise him up in the, in the instance where God shall restore. Not necessarily in the sense that God's going to remove the trial or remove the sickness or remove the situation. He may. But it might be the fact that God's going to give you the grace to go through it. The Apostle Paul, remember this thorn in his flesh. He repeatedly prayed to God by faith that he would that it would be removed. And here was a man that put his hands on people and healed people through the power of God. And God said, No, my grace is sufficient for you. And so this is all, these verses are really in, in, dealing, in dealing with the prayers of faith is 
allowing God to be working in the midst and to be praying and giving it to him and that God is up here and I am down here and I'm going to be submissive to that will and and his direction for our life. Now there there is another view on this particular verse in 15. Because it goes with this last sentence, for he hath committed sins and shall be forgiven unto him, given unto him. We got to be careful in this. It will get careful in, in all scripture and how we how we proclaim it or and share it. But when when one is sick, possibly by the hand of God, we don't know. I will, you, will, you as a believer and I as a believer should never look at somebody and say, oh, you're sick, you got this thing or going on or whatever it may be. It's because of your sin in your life. That's, for bet- that's between them and the Lord. But let me say this. When things come into my life personally, whether it's really severe sickness or whatever it may be, or a diagnosis or whatever, you know, whatever it may be, I fall on my knees before the Lord. And I say, Lord, if there's something that you're using this to correct me or to change me, Lord, reveal this to me now, or, you know, and have an attitude of repentance. Because he does that. He uses these things. From whom the Lord loveth, he scourges. And does God use our health sometimes? Yeah. To get our attention sometimes. Is that all the time? No. But it's something for us as believers to be aware of. And so one who is, so when one who is weak, possibly the, well, uh, sick or weak, possibly the chastening hand of God, so we need to look at our own heart to see if sin has been revealed and then confess it so that there would be a healing. So that God then would, as we, as, as we prayer and faith in 1 John 1, 9, for faith, you know, 1 John 1, 9, 1 John 1, 9, for that we might confess our sins and be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the Lord shall raise him up. And give him, restore him, restore that fellowship. If he has committed the sins, and so this is kind of, it kind of it, this verse. I think, in in my in the position that I've come to, this it, it goes both it goes to both venues, if you will, of it, it covers both. Because if he has committed sin, they shall be forgiven unto him, and the, and the and the if. If he have, um, in, the, in the word form, if have committed sins, if he have committed, in the Greek, it's not like someone was ever sinless. It's, it's implying that he has sinned. It's implying that he has sinned uh, in, in, this, in this scenario here. So um, they shall be forgiven. And, and so... Um, so we see here again that it's God that's working, it's God that is doing, it's God that's doing this week as we call upon him in our cheerful in our cheerfulness and our struggles or or when we when we're sick or what have you in our in our in our personal way we need to call a, we need to be 
going before him on a continual basis, that that our relationship with him would continue to be unfettered by the world that's around us and the situations. And then lastly, here we we need to be open and honest uh, with others, that our prayers would be in his power and his and his strength in his strength and the other point was i forgot to mention i apologize to trust god in our personal state that the prayer and praise would be of his power and strength to have that real true value of that prayer his power and his strength that one thing that we need to do and this is rarely if at all done in this context, in the, and there's two different kinds of contexts in here. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another, another that ye may be healed. Confessing your faults to one another. And this is not a first, this is not a conflict with first John 1 9. You say, well, wait a minute, I'm supposed to confess my sins to God or confess my sins to others. Yes, both. Both. If you offend somebody or do something wrong or whatever, you need to go to them first, get it right, and then you go to the Lord uh, for um, for uh, for forgiveness. Not the other way around. And so, as it talks about in uh, in Matthew, uh, so confess your faults one to another. As we as and this here confession here is, I believe it's literally talking about. Confessing our faults, confessing our weaknesses, our struggles one to another. Confessing those things that we might pray for one another more effectively. Usually when we come to church, you know, everything's good and we where we ask for prayer requests Wednesday night, we give prayer requests. But how many times, and I'm guilty of this as well, how many times we're struggling with something personally and someone asks for a prayer request and we never mention it? Why? Why? Are we fearful that someone will think less of us? I guarantee you, as I've told the teens, as, as teenagers too, but every one of us struggles in our life, in this world, in sin in some way, shape, or fashion. You are contending for the flesh. There are struggles. There are pitfalls. You up, you know, you struggle up and down, and and the and the more you and the more you share that with others and and praying for one another is or transparent and sharing burdens that we one that will be able to be pray more effective for one another that will have more accountability more accountability and it'll it'll keep us humble keep us real and that we will be able to have um and then as we keep those and then also at the same time keeping confessing our faults too keeps that fellowship with one another sweeter and so we need to keep keep things right in, sh- in sharing with one another. It says, and so, and then, in, and then, and lastly, here that one verse where we began with the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man 
availeth much. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That gets that, has that comfort during struggles of affliction, sees a healing of comfort when going through something physically or emotionally who is sick. One who continually gives praise to God and um, in uh, much avails. And so the, that effectual fervent meaning here, um, meaning, his, meaning uh, strength. And in the, in the, in the Greek there, the word is, uh, if I say it right, energo which basically means it means uh, being active it's where we get our english word energy from and so the effectual fervent that that energy that 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 hit, that hit, that strength the effectual the 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 um his strength of prayer of a righteous man and that's key here a righteous man one meaning that they are born of God and that they are a child of God and righteous, declared righteous before Him. The unrighteous can. The only prayer that God hears is one of repentance and trusting and asking Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And two, the righteous ones that are, and after they're saved, that they are striving to live righteous. That there is not sin in their life. That God has pointed out that they are that they are that there's a broken fellowship. Not a relationship, but a fellowship with them. And so that there is, that the prayers of a righteous man, a righteous man, we are declared righteous before God. The righteous um, availeth much. And that sense is that, and that, and that, and that word availeth there um, has great force or value. That there is that power behind that. Where is that power coming from? Where is that energy coming from? Is it because we're praying louder? Is it because we put more these and those in our prayers? Is it because we can be more eloquent in our words? No. It is the power, the strength, and the might of Almighty God. It's those prayers of those saints, maybe some elderly saints praying. It is those, or someone just having that gift of ministry of praying for somebody or whatever. We should all be praying, but one who has an exceptional burden and just praying uh, for believers on a continual basis. You know, we, we praise the Lord for that. But anyway, our, our, the meaning here that our prayers need to be in accordance with the will of God in order to be energized by his power. That uh, we need to be praying in His will and, and not our own. So, in conclusion, that so that when we suffer or when we're cheerful or struggling with sin, we need to be praying, praising, or repenting through and by His power and strength. That God that that God will be glorified in all that we do. And I know I didn't touch on it, but. Um, Verse 17 is an illustration of verse 16. If you want to uh, read that in for your own personal reading there. So this is what the, the James is encouraging the believers in their prayer, no matter what situation there may be, that we need to be communing with God in prayer and in, and in praise to him 
and giving it over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we so thank you for your truths of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you can give us comfort in the time of storm, that you have, you will never leave us nor forsake us, Lord, that you are there when the when the trials come, you are there when the blessings and and we 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 give our prayer and praise to you for both because may we see you in each and every aspect of our life, Lord, and forgive us, Lord, when we've uh, just kind of uh, thinking that it was of our own self-will or of our own smarts or our own flesh or whatever it may be, Lord. We know that anything that's going to last for eternity that's any value is all of you. And we so thank you, Lord, for loving us as believers and and dying on dying on the cross <clears throat> for our sins. And that as we as we have that relationship with you and you love and care for us. And Lord, may we just uh, continue to uh, to grow in that, Lord, and we'll thank you for that. And Lord, I pray again, Lord, if there's one here that does not know you as their personal Savior, one who has not put their faith and trust in you, may they do so today, Lord, that they might be able to bring their prayers and petitions before you, that they might, that they would be in a relationship with you, Lord, because you showed them you showed them your love for them by sending your son the lord jesus christ and you want to have that love relationship with them and i just pray lord that that through your working lord revealing yourself to to them through your light lord that they would trust you as their personal savior before it's eternity too late and lord once again i just pray for us just may we just uh, continue to trust you and in everything that we face and and being and also praying for others as they face difficulties and struggles and in their life as well in your name we pray amen